Hi, I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Well, we just finished our 10th annual Set Apart Conference, and what a powerful weekend it was talking about how to stand unashamedly with Jesus in such a time as this. And if you missed our live event, you can still register for a simulcast at setapartgirl.com and stream the sessions anytime throughout 2019. But the registration's only open this week until Friday the 21st, so be sure to go on and register if you're interested in registering for the simulcast this year. We are going to be talking in this episode about how to stand boldly with Jesus in such a time as this. One of the verses that God put on my heart for this year's conference was the words of Jesus when he said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. What a powerful challenge from the heart of God to each one of us that we have been chosen and appointed to go and bear fruit for his glory. And yet, when we look around at the times in which we live, it's very easy to become intimidated and think, I would rather just live out my Christianity in a private little corner somewhere and not stand boldly and unashamedly in the midst of such a dark culture. That was what we focused on during our Friday night session at this year's conference, standing boldly and unashamedly with Jesus in every aspect of our lives. And we talked about the darkness, the rapidly increasing darkness that is sweeping over our country today. It reminds me a lot of the verse in Proverbs 30, 13 through 15. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. That so accurately describes what we see happening around us, all of these things unfolding in the name of, you know, this is a good thing, this is on behalf of humanity, and yet we are not washed from our filthiness in so many of the decisions that we're making as a culture. And it goes on to say, there is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are like swords, whose fangs are like knives. And there's another scripture in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4. Know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And I don't know about you, but you really can't get a more accurate description than those words of what we see taking place all around us. Things are getting darker in our culture at a very rapid pace, as I said earlier. A couple quick snapshots of this, a couple quick examples. First of all, there is such a disregard of purity and morality. And I'm sure you've noticed it. You really don't have to do much more than walk into a grocery store to see it. I was in a restaurant recently with one of my kids, and we were out to dinner. And it happened to be the same night as prom. And the table sitting next to us had about seven or eight couples, high school couples, going to their prom, and they were eating dinner before. And I went to a public high school, and I remember the darkness and the impurity and the perversion that surrounded me in that environment. But just sitting near this group of high school students in 2019, it was completely shocking to me what I heard and what I saw, what they were wearing, how they were acting. Just the spirit of complete disregard of any kind of morality was just so heavy upon this group. And I know that they were just a little slice of what is very normal in our culture today. 
When I was in high school, when we went to prom, there was sin and evil and immorality there, but this was a whole new level of darkness and perversion and sensuality. Two of the couples were actually same-sex couples, and the impurity in every single person at the table was just very, very evident. I remember also listening a few years ago to an interview on a secular TV show where a woman had interviewed several young women from just a cross-section of society about their the morality or lack of morality in their lives. And she was 25 years old when she conducted the interviews, and she thought she sort of knew her way around the world, but she said these 12 and 13 and 14-year-old girls, as they talked about the lives that they were living behind their parents' backs, she was completely shocked and she was learning things from them that she had never even known. And most of what she heard from these girls, she couldn't even say on daytime television. And it was a, it was a television interview and she had to just speak in generalities because it was so completely shocking. And this was not a group of girls from, you know, gangs or inner city, you know, difficult situations. They were just from regular everyday suburban homes. And a lot of them even went to church. And that is really jarring to understand the level of impurity that our culture has been brought to and how it just continues to go downhill. A second observation is that our culture has developed uh, almost an obsessive love for death and darkness. Proverbs 8, 33 through 36 says, Hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it, for whoever finds me finds life. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. And I thought that was such an accurate portrayal of what we see in our culture today. Those who hate God's wisdom love death. It's not just an acceptance of darkness and death. It's a love for it. And just take a walk through you know, your local mall or decorating store or even your local Target or Walmart. You'll see a celebration of death everywhere. Skulls and skeletons and things that sort of joke about things that are very dark. Even you'll see moms with little kids walking through the store with skulls and skeletons tattooed on their bodies or wearing it on their clothing. I remember buying a pair of swim trunks for one of my boys a couple years ago, and I thought, I didn't take a close look at it when I got it off the clearance rack, but it was a beach scene, I thought. And then I got home and I realized this beach scene was in the shape of a skull. And this was a pair of swim trunks for my three or four-year-old child. So it's really, it's really everywhere. It's on jewelry and bags and earrings and home decor. And it's really just another sign that our world has rejected God and embraced death. The power of darkness, when we look at these these examples, it can feel so powerful and strong, the darkness that is all around us, and we can feel hopeless and helpless to do anything against it. In fact, what difference can one person possibly make against such a massive tide of darkness sweeping over our country? I think about Corey Ten Boom and her key moment of decision during the time when the Nazis were taking over her country, and she was seeing Jews being singled out and persecuted and some disappearing and never coming back, and people were coming to her for refuge. And she was a 50-year-old spinster watchmaker, as she described herself, and she wondered what she really could do. But there was a moment when she sat in her kitchen and prayed this prayer, Lord, I offer myself for your people, anytime, anywhere, in any way, I am available. And immediately after she prayed that prayer, she saw in her mind a picture of herself and her family being led away to prison, but she stood by that decision. And if you know the rest of her story, there was tremendous sacrifice in 
offering herself to God for such a time as this, the times in which she was living. But there was also tremendous fruit, tremendous effectiveness for the kingdom and glory of God. And the fruit that God bore through her life still remains today and still continues to impact today all of these years later. I want to share with you two biblical examples of standing boldly for truth, standing boldly with God in such a time as this, in times similar to the times in which we live. It's easy to look at Bible stories from the Old Testament, kind of as Sunday school stories on a flannel board, and not really take those lessons into our modern day lives. And yet, if we take a step back and say, these stories actually really happened and they're in the Bible for a reason, they can powerfully impact our daily decisions. And the first example is Esther. And that really is where the phrase for such a time as this comes from, comes from her story. First of all, Esther found herself in a hopeless situation. It was written and sealed with the king's signet ring to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the Jews, women, children, everyone. And it didn't just say kill them. I think it's so interesting that the Bible says destroy, kill, and annihilate. Obviously, they wanted to make sure the job was completely done. It was very serious. And a copy of that document was to be issued as law in every province being published for all people that they should be ready for that day. So it's really not looking good. It's already been signed into law, and it's going to be complete annihilation. And Mordecai, Esther's uncle, goes to her and says, this is what's going on, and you need to go to the king on behalf of your people. And this is what Esther says, all of the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, there has been one law that he be put to death. There really was hardly ever an exception to that law. It was just understood that if you go into the king without being called, you will be put to death unless there's the off chance that the king would hold out his scepter to you, but that's not to be expected. And Mordecai says, who knows whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. She found herself in this situation right as the Jews were about to be destroyed, and she alone would have the chance of going into the king and risking her life to save her people. And she makes the same decision that Corrie ten Boone made that day where she says, I will stand with God. I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. In that moment, she gave up her life. She said, Lord, do with my life what you will. I will take a stand for you. I'm available to you in such a time as this. And the result of that stand was that an entire nation was rescued. Oftentimes, God only needs one willing soul, one willing heart, and he can do incredible things. We so often think, well, I can't really do much. I'm, I'm only one person. Corey ten Boom was definitely thinking that. What could I possibly do? And yet look at the way God powerfully worked through her to save so many Jewish people and to save so many in the concentration camp and then to save so many after the war was over. And the result of Esther's stand was that one small, young, trembling girl was able to save an entire nation because she made herself available. Another powerful story about this is the story of Daniel. This is, again, another story we might look at as, you know, just a veggie tale story, but it's so incredible. He was also in a very hopeless situation. There was a law, and the guys that were against him in the kingdom said, whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed. Therefore, the king signed the written decree. It could not be changed. And then it says in Daniel 6, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. 
And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. So he knew that this law could not be changed, and he made a decision to say, Lord, I stand with you. Why didn't he just pray privately, or why didn't he maybe just pray once a day? He actually knelt in his room with his windows open and prayed publicly, and he did it three times, knowing that it could cost his life. He was boldly declaring with his life, I stand with my God, even if it costs my life. If I perish, I perish. And the result of Daniel's stand as well was a nation that turned to the living God. The king said, after all that transpired and how God saved him from the mouths of the lions, he said, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. Wow. This king, who was a completely secular king and wanted people to worship him, actually came to the realization that God was the living God because of Daniel's boldness. And in today's world, we are being faced with a similar choice. We have to choose between protecting our own comforts or boldly standing for the truth. It would have been so much easier for Daniel, for Esther, for Corrie ten Boom to stay comfortable and to sort of hide in a corner until the conflict was over. In Corrie ten Boom's case, she had already done a lot for God. Her life was very fruitful already. She had her elderly father and her sickly sister to think about, but she also knew the words of Christ. In Matthew 16, 25, where it says, Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Are we willing to follow that example? Are we willing to say, Lord, I stand with you. I'm not going to live my Christianity cowering in a corner. I'm going to choose the path that Daniel chose, that Esther chose, and stand boldly with you in such a time as this. And if I perish, I perish. When we come to that place of decision and say, Lord, use my life no matter what it costs, that is when God can powerfully change lives and even entire nations. If you missed our Set Apart conference, you can still join us for a simulcast. The simulcast registrations are open through the end of this week. So go to setapartgirl.com. You can stream the simulcast anytime throughout 2019. So listen at your own computer or gather an entire group together. These messages are truly life-changing and will show you more practically how to not just fit Christ into your life, but build your life around him and stand unashamedly for him in such a time as this. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.